Hello, everyone, and welcome to the No Shot Clock Podcast. I'm Joe Henriksen of the City Suburban Hoops Report, and with me for this 83rd episode of the podcast is Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times. Hopefully, you all had a great Thanksgiving week and saw a game or two during the opening week of the high school basketball season. Before we do get going, my Mike, a reminder to all our listeners to rate and review us on iTunes, if you would. And the podcast is also available on Stitcher. And Mike, one week is in the books, and more importantly, you're done with football. Thank goodness. <laughs> I mean, man, no, no. I mean, I'm sorry, but even people who, lo- who really like football, covering and watching four football games in one day is too much for any human. <laughs> well, it's it over. It should not be done. Yes, it's all done. Thank goodness. We're a really unnotable day too. I'm glad I'm not doing a podcast on that. Because I would not have much to say. <laughs> well, this episode we're gonna we're gonna do our our regular two takes that we'll we'll give you guys. Um, we're gonna have some quick Thanksgiving thoughts from the week that was and, and Thanksgiving tournament play and and uh, we got a whole bunch of questions again and a real sneak peek and a real quick sneak peek into the week ahead. But, um, you know, as I said last week, I gave a warning, Mike, to you and everyone. Don't get too high. Don't get too low over the Thanksgiving results. My guy Mike here likes to get revved up quick. <laughs> and, and then we bring him back down. It's not even December yet. But uh, I'll, I'll go ahead with my first take. And that, that is probably what was in the Chicago area the premier game, highlight game of the week. It was expected to be that, you know, St. Viator and Evanston, two teams, you know, highly ranked, big expectations. Evanston obviously is a number two ranked team, both pretty much in everybody's rankings and polls. And it was a great game, Mike. I mean, for a Thanksgiving game, as somebody who always says they're sloppy and meh, this one was a good one. Now, the first quarter was ugly, and it, it, but it turned up quick. And I, I was just really – as you should be with the number two team, really impressed with Evanston. They they were extremely balanced, five guys in double figures, and they and why I was so impressed and why I was anxious to see them. And I know a lot of people don't take much stock into the summer, and I get it. You know, it's it is what it is. But I saw Evanston several times this summer, and it just it looked it looked bad for a team with that much talent, that much continuity back from a team that finished third in the state, it just didn't look like it was jiving this summer. And they looked good. I mean, Lance Jones obviously was their catalyst last year, but but Boyle, I, I tell you, Mike, Jalen Gibson, uh, the, the, the sophomore, was outstanding. He, he filled the stat sheet as a leading scorer with 17 points, defensive rebounds, lead the break, assists at the other end. He's he's our best defender, I think. You know, I just think he is just this jack of all trades. That's going to be asked to do a whole lot because their one weakness is a lack of size. But they've got key role guys. They've got a lot of weapons offensively as far as shooting. Ryan Boss hit like three or four threes. We know about Blake Peters shooting prowess. Uh, Lance Jones is back. So I was just really impressed with Evanston and, and to a degree St. Viter. I mean, they're gonna. They've got that one-two punch, and they combine, I think, for 44 points, Trey Calvin and, and Jeremiah Hernandez. Uh, but you know they're going to need somebody to step up. 
to help those two guys uh, if they want to surpass what they did last year. Now they were they were missing a key piece in Connor Cochera. Uh, he's a six three junior who played really well last year and had a great summer. Uh, good shooter can space the floor for those two you know two stars that they have. He's out expected back uh, this week, but. Just my take is Evanston more than lived up to number two ranking, and and uh, they're going to be a handful in, in that Central Suburban League South. So, Joe, would you say that maybe getting too high or too low about summer league performance is the same as Thanksgiving yeah. week? <laughs> no, I mean, it's a question, but, you know, but you do get, like, some teams that you, you know, summer's a mixed bag, there's no doubt about it, but... I mean, more or less, you do get a good feel for teams, and it was just surprising the summer. I even talked to Mike Ellis about it, you know, in the summertime. It was just not a great, great summer for them, for a team with, with so much experience. But yeah, I mean, you're right. Um, they 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 were all on they were on the same page for the most part, and you know, a lot of continuity. With I um, yeah, I was following that game, you know, from. On Twitter, I, I did not realize that Kuchera didn't play until I read the story. I think in the Daily Herald, maybe it was Quags or somebody wrote it. Um, so that was interesting. Was it a nine-point loss or something at home? Yeah, and, um, I mean, it was yeah. A, it, there was a technical late in the game that kind of. I mean, the score was closer than nine, really. I mean, it was a. It was back and forth for for three quarters, and then Evanston really came out and, and took command, and then. St. Viator kind of scratched and clawed, got into with, you know, a two-possession game uh, and extended there at the end. But, yeah, I mean, it, you know, you, you kind of felt like it was Evanson's game throughout. But, you know, I mean, there's no harm in obviously losing to the number two ranked team. St. Viator is just, you know, they've got those two big guns, and, and they're going to be able to ride them a lot. But when they do play, you know, some of the best, you know, in my event – when sides collide, they play bloom. You know, they'll, uh, Bennett's going to be a big, huge test for them in the Eastern Burman Catholic. They're going to need, and, and Kachera could be that guy, but they're going to need some help for those two because you've got five guys in double figures scoring for, for Evanston. And then you've got, obviously, those two scored 44 of their points. Uh, so that's not, there isn't much balance right now for St. Viator, but, uh, their, their potential is not any different than it was when the season started. Yeah, my uh, first take, it's always kind of annoying when you show up somewhere. Usually it takes a week or two or sometimes even a month, but right away in the opening game for me, I felt like I had a huge miss on my top 50 preseason players. And this was a guy I didn't even have on the list. I wasn't even considering him. Hillcrest Dylan West, a 6'7 senior. You know, if you saw Hillcrest, you probably remember him from last year. He's a big kid. Um... And he played, he had some nice games last year and, and some moments kind of in every game, but, you know, wasn't super consistent. Well, that has changed. He was a complete monster in the game I saw. 17 points, 18 rebounds against Vocational. Look, he kept it up, you know, against the better teams, too. He was super consistent with a double-double. He's going to be a force all season, and he's really kind of changed how I look at Hillcrest this season. And a lot of the kids played better than I expected. They had some other guys I didn't know about. Julius Rollins, a 6'6 sophomore, who got in a little bit of foul trouble in the game I was in, but showed some real flashes of potential. He could be a D1 player. 
And, you know, Marquise Irving didn't miss a beat after football. You know, he was in there playing well. Jeremiah Statton's game's at a different level than it was last year. Very impressed with Hillcrest, but Dylan West, undoubtedly to me, one of the top five or six big men in the area. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with his recruiting. I guess he plays baseball. He's a left-hand, a six-foot-seven left-handed pitcher. And I guess he's decent and has college interest in baseball, too. So he's definitely a name to watch and, um, and a huge omission for me in the top 50, I think. Are you surprised, based on what you saw, that they lost two games then? No, um, because the South Suburbs, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, much, <laughs> much different feel at the Chicago Heights Classic than the last few years. I think the good teams there are elite, and the teams that lost, I mean, vocational isn't bad. What, they go one and three? Um, they're not bad at all. And I, I was very impressed with Thornwood. You know, they gave Bloom all it could handle, and they, and, and they did it in a way that will last, if that makes any sense. Nobody was super hot shooting on Thornwood. You know, nobody kind of had a great night. They, it's, what, the second night of the season, and they're playing team basketball. You know, just moving the ball so well, defending. I was really impressed with Thornwood. Christian Simmons can play, but overall, you know, just the level of play was just raised at the Chicago Heights Classic. You know, Rich Central played really well. The night I saw them had a, a very talented sophomore that wasn't even on the roster that I'd never heard about that I guess they'd just brought up. You know, he, he had a very nice game. So, no, overall, I think the Chicago Heights Classic is showed that the South Suburbs have got a lot. Yeah, Thornwood, again, I go back to the summer. They they showed both Thornwood and their individual players showed a lot of promise with Christian Simmons and Zachary Carr in the backcourt and underappreciated, underrated big man, Jeremiah Tarver. Oh, yeah. He's six he foot was, five. He's yeah. a big, huge body who's really kind of quick on his feet, though, for the size he brings. And so, yeah, they're, they're you know, they're going to be the favorite in that league. And, uh, you know, Paul Slavich has a good group that, that I think is – is going to surprise some people as they, they surprise you a little bit this weekend um, this past week. My second take is something I'm writing about here for my three-pointer column this week, and that's the, the, the team that was unranked that clearly made the biggest statement this past week, and that's Riverside-Brookfield. They went and went 4-0, beat two ranked teams by a combined like 40-plus points, hammered Oak Park, hammered Kenwood. Uh, they played that Thanksgiving tournament on their home floor, and and it's a good tournament. It's one of the better tournaments. You throw, you know, Wheaton North is in there as well. Uh, St. Rita is in that tournament. So Riverside Brookfield came out and and just, I'm, I'm sure they're, as we tape this, uh, Mike's rankings are about to come out. I'm sure they'll be in your top 25 um, after the week they just had. And, and I just, you know, it's not completely surprising. Again, I'm going back by what you saw in the summer. But they have a group of guys, Mike, who no Division One players, but they have four or five guys that are all going to be playing college basketball somewhere. Small college basketball, but small college basketball nonetheless. And the big difference, obviously, just strictly by the numbers, and I went back and looked it up. Last year they started, it was Mike Ryan Gruber's first year, they went one and three in the tournament, but more alarming, they allowed 76 points a game in those first four games in the Thanksgiving tournament. This year, they're 4-0 and allowing 50 points a game in those four wins. So that's obviously a 26-point swing in, in, in their favor defensively. So, you know, Zach Via is, is kind of the blood and guts of that team. He's their point guard. He was their conference player of the year. And, 
you know, he is the anchor. He is somebody you can rely on. He brings some toughness and some savvy at the point guard spot. Andrew Vion is a 6'6", kind of versatile big. Patrick Hanley, he scored 25 points in one game. Uh, Reggie Lowry, Charles Terry. I mean, they got a nice nucleus. I think they were led in scoring. Uh, four different guys uh, led them in scoring, I believe, in the four different wins. So Riverside, Brookfield, big weekend. And they got a chance now to to, to, to go on a run here, you know, leading up to the Jack Tosh Holiday Tournament at York. And not to mention a huge week, Mike, because of – you look at that sectional, those, those, those sectional uh, seeds that come out. Oak Park, Kenwood, I mean, those are those sectional right in the sectional with them. So uh, they put themselves in a great position to kind of inch their way into that top four seed. And, and, and for sure, obviously, Young will be in there as well, most likely, if everything stays the same. So it's a very big week for, for RB. Yeah, that was fun to see. Um, and I saw Kenwood, the first, well, Kenwood and Rita, the first night of the season, and Kenwood was pretty impressive. So they had a running clock on them, RB did, to start the fourth quarter, which is, I mean, just losing would have been one thing, but domination like that, that, that was pretty shocking. Um, my second take here, I guess, you know, overall, Siri Lewis, wow. <laughs> um, that Kenwood game, you know, to go right into it, you know... I'd seen him very briefly, just get get a couple minutes before we nothing like this. You know, he was kind of the focal point for Kenwood, and just so skilled is what really impressed me. Some of the moves he made, you know, he has actual post moves. It's not just him relying on athleticism and his size. He actually has skills in the post, and it, it's just not something we've seen in a few years. I feel like you know, maybe since like Okafor and Sean O'Mara and stuff were around. So that was interesting. You know, he's not their size. He's a different player than that. But yeah, he had kind of an array of little moves to go to in the post. It was impressive. Kenwood overall was very good. But Siri Lewis, you know, Joe's got him highly ranked in the class. And he's, it's just nice to have, see a player like that and a really good prospect and know that we've got two years to watch him and see how he develops. Yeah, I mean, I, he, you know, Kenwood, R.T. Stapleton, um, point guard is going to be the key for them him and Siri Lewis so you know and Lamont LJ Johnson came back and they're going to be good you know there's no question it's just how much can they elevate themselves and get can they get into the upper tier you know with the the youngs and the Simeons and uh a little bit of disappointing season a year ago so you know aside from that RB shellacking you know I I just uh, they're going to be an intriguing team to watch going forward. Yeah, I kept them in the rankings. They fell to 25. But I kept them in because I liked what I saw. So we'll see how that goes. RB's going to slot in at 17. So they get a big jump um, after that. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Kenwood goes. you, you, you got to worry about th- that massive deficit to RB, what happened there. Because they have too much talent for that to... That to be like that. So, um, Thanksgiving. We're already doing Thanksgiving thoughts, but um, yeah, just keep it rolling with some of them. I, I'm gonna, you know, I saw Oswego East. They were highly ranked, big expectations. Kind of ran through everything at somewhat easily at, at uh, the Thanksgiving tournament. And yeah, and maybe the best, one of the best. You know, I had to go through and assemble everybody's resume for the week. And Oswego East, you know, when you look at just the names they beat: you know, Hinsdale Central, Naperville North, West Aurora, and Downers Grove South. Yeah, 
but after having seen them all, um, <laughs> not so good. Yeah. No, I mean, Neverville North is really going to struggle. Uh, it, it's Tom Welch, and I, I shouldn't say struggle as mightily. I just mean there is not a whole lot with, with Tom Welch. He, he was he was dynamic. Um, Boy, yeah, those numbers. <laughs> I mean, he's, wow, yeah. he he does everything for them. Uh, Coach G. Nolan obviously does a great job of of utilizing him in various ways. Um, West Aurora, I got some real concerns with West Aurora. Uh, I know they went three and one, but yeesh, um, I saw some. You know, they went zero for twenty five from three. I saw that. Yeah, uh, but Oswego East. I mean, I, I like their. You know, they've got to turn it up still defensively, but they got a lot of weapons, man. Mm-hmm. And, and Ray J. Dennis, as, as I mentioned in our All State podcast. He's just a true difference maker, and he, he makes people he, – he's very unselfish. So Oswego East – but also in that conference, Mike, I was, it was interesting to see Romeoville because <laughs> Romeoville was kind of a – I don't even know how to describe last season. Um, but it, They joined Waukegan in the very talented yeah, but disappointing Yeah, they got so group. much fight. <laughs> yeah. And then as soon as they lost and they fell out of rankings, it seemed like people were like bombarding <laughs> – you or me or whoever it just yeah. I, I don't know it was just a weird season some bad losses so for them to go four and oh and and to come back with the way that they, they lost they lost their big names really Romeoville and yet you know they're four and oh with wins over Juliet Central and uh, Lockport and uh, I think it'd be Providence and Lincoln Way West but yeah you know I, I you know I didn't they almost got ranked <laughs> yeah What's that? They almost got ranked. They were one yeah, of the six man. teams that almost got in. Yeah, but that, that that was something that jumped out at me. Just just kind of put that taste of last season, at least for time being, uh, and get that you know put that to bed and move forward. Yeah, I didn't. It's interesting because you talked about a lot of those names. You know, teams were used to being a more than above average um, on the western suburbs there that were disappointing, and down south there wasn't a bad team that I saw at the Chicago Heights Classic. Um, I wanted to hit on TF South briefly because they were kind of on the outskirts of the rankings. And, you know, results didn't go their way um, this week. But, you know, it's a new team coming together. You know, the Stewart brothers transferred over from Kenwood. Both played really well. You know, they got a big man, London Denman, who's very much like Tar Jeremiah Tarver from Thornwood. <laughs> he's big in all ways. Um, London Denman's even bigger. He's six foot ten and even heavier. But he gets it done, and pretty much Rich Central the same way. So, you know, the sophomore I talked about Samaj Greer, and they also have you know a, a talented big man. Cornell Johnson is six five, and um, Deion Washington six four, but plays bigger than that. Every single team in this event had a big or two and a dynamic scoring guard. You know, and those kind of the two things you want in a high school basketball team. So it's going to be a very interesting year in the South Suburbs to see how this goes. But the overall takeaway, kind of the big game, was Marion Catholic against HF. And Marion Catholic did not have Aaron Euless. I did not know this until I showed up. <laughs> it was extremely disappointing. <laughs> you know, battling two hours of traffic, Thanksgiving Eve, you get there and you hear Aaron Euless isn't playing. He picked up two technicals in the game um, on Tuesday night. But boy, in, in a way, it was maybe kind of a showcase for Marion Catholic because without him, some guys had to step up. And, you know, it was uh, three juniors, Joe Green, uh, Elijah Jones, and Yemi Elatulo. All three played really, really good games. 
And boy, Marion Catholic is so much deeper than I realized. You know, Christopher White, everybody knew about him, and Breon Hill is kind of a well-known name. Uh, Blair Crutcher played as well. He's a 6'5 kid, but Marion Catholic, once again, as they have the last few years, just passes the look test. They are long. They are athletic. They can make shots. You know, they gave HF pretty much all it could handle without their superstar. And much like with Hillcrest, I had to kind of reevaluate where Marion Catholic was in my rankings and in my universe. Even though they lost that game to HF, this is a team that I, I really think the sky is the limit with Aaron Euless. No doubt. It, it was impressive to see how they were able to... Oh, now, this is a year we weren't very excited about anybody, so to think that they could do that without their superstar was very, really impressive. And speaking of superstar, I did get a glance at Brother Rice and Marquise Kennedy, the forty-one point game. So, uh, you know, they they went four zero. You know, I, they didn't. Again, I, I mean, Lincoln Way East is probably their their biggest win in the Thanksgiving tournament. So they still have not been truly, truly tested, but. Marquise Kennedy is going to be a, a, a special season. He he is just taking his game to another level, uh, even from what we saw last year when he was a stat sheet stuffing guy at the point guard position and learning the nuances of that position. Uh, but he's just so devastating in the open court, going north and south, and, and his impact on the game. So, you know, Brother Rice is a dark horse, or you know, probably in that second half of the or second tier of the Catholic league hierarchy this year but him alone makes them very dangerous and obviously throw bobby frazier one of the best young coaches in the, in the business they're going to be a, a team to to kind of watch as far as just being one that's going to put some scares in some of those higher ranked and, and, and seated teams uh, as they climb your rankings but uh they, they lived up to the ranking you gave them i thought that was a little bullish in, in the beginning and we'll see what happens but um marquise kennedy's a you know, bona fide All-Stater. It's too bad he just can't play with Tom Welch this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would help each other that quite would, a bit. It would be fun for Loyola fans. It would be fun for everybody. But, um, yeah, they um, it was very nice. Yeah, Plainfield South, Crete Monee, Lincoln Way East, and Harlan was Brother Rice's road to the title at Joliet West. Joliet West did not have a good start to the no. season. We'll move on from that quickly. <laughs> Any other thoughts from the week or... No, I mean, the Oak Park lost to RB. you got to wonder, but I did not see Oak Park. I only saw St. Rita and Kenwood out there. Um, that's definitely a little troublesome. I bumped Loyola out of the rankings. It got awkward because Trier beat them, and then Trier lost to Lincoln Park. And so it's kind of that thing where i got three people that are all good teams, three teams that are all good there, but there's a lot of result nullification going on. And early in the season, the easiest thing to do is just kind of rip the scab off and get rid of the whole group of them. So, <laughs> sorry, Lincoln Park, Nutrier, and Loyola. They all seem to be pretty good, but right now they're on the outside looking in just because they couldn't really settle things amongst themselves there. Let's, uh... Yeah, and, uh you know, some of my thoughts that I still have, I've noticed are in some of the questions that, that we do have from some readers, so I'll, I'll keep some of those for, for answering those. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any other movement we had in the um, rankings. Rita dropped, dropped out. Loyola dropped out. Notre Dame. Oh, we didn't talk about Notre Dame. They dropped, um, lost to DePaul. No shocker. Niles North picked them off, though. And then they beat Lakeview and Taft. Sounds like young team. A lot of football players. It might take a little while for Notre Dame to right. get rolling. I mean, you, you look at that, and they they come back from the – they lost in the semifinals. Is that the football? Right? Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they had a week of practice at that. So 
um, yeah, that, that's going to take a little time. And um, Niles North's results overall weren't bad, so it looked. I don't think either one of those losses is really going to be haunting them to get them back in the rankings by the end of the year. But let's move on to these questions here. I am going to start it out with Anthony Diaz. Anthony, very succinct. Can Bolingbrook take EJ Liddell down if they meet in super sectionals or state? <laughs> well, it's uh, getting a little ahead of ourselves. <laughs> I like but, it. Uh, <laughs> why not? I'll put on November, was the date? 25th, yeah, 25th. 26th, whatever. Uh, we want I'll state make, predictions. <laughs> I'll make uh, Belleville West a seven and a half point favorite. Uh, yeah, I mean, Belleville West lost some key pieces. But they still got EJ Liddell, and that's a matchup nightmare. Well-coached team, yeah. I mean, I, Belleville West is still a favorite, but let's let's let it play out for four months. Yeah, Scott Burgess was down there watching. He he's already proclaimed EJ Liddell, Mister Basketball. I guess he looked pretty awesome. The numbers were good. Nice start for Bolingbrook though to the season. They beat Dunlop, Decatur, MacArthur, and a nice ninety to eighty-eight win against Springfield Southeast. Yeah, that's one of my thoughts. I think that was another question that somebody somebody asked a question. Is this the greatest Thanksgiving win in history <laughs> or something? And one of the yeah. questions that you have coming. It's coming. Uh, <laughs> and that is an unbelievably impressive win. Tyler Cochran is out with an injury. He was their, uh, you know, their Division One guard. And and if anybody remembers, Springfield Southeast is is really really good. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that. Has almost everyone back from what they finished third in two A or three A third or fourth. Um, so yeah, I mean this that's a that's an eye opening win. Uh, put up ninety points and uh, without Cochran and you beat a state ranked team in three A. There's no question that's a uh, that's an impressive victory right there for Bolingbroke. Yeah, and when you if you look back historically, clearly I have no statistics, but um, I do write down scores <laughs> every day. And when you're scoring ninety points a game your first week, I don't care who you're playing, that's generally a sign that a good season is on its way. And Bolingbroke's totals were ninety three points, ninety three points, and ninety points. So they're firing on all cylinders without their best player. Very impressive. Let's move it along here to Boom Boom Jackson. This was Joe's favorite question <laughs> of the week. Uh, football just had their state championship games. Don't remind me, Boom Boom. Uh, they do all classes in one weekend, and the venue rotates between downstate and Chicago area. It rotates, well, it's not, between DeKalb and Champaign. Um, so he says, what are the chances of one of both, one or both of those things happening in basketball? He gives a possible schedule, talks about some locations. I'm getting the sense that Boom Boom Jackson is a new listener to No Shot Clock, which is awesome. We need new listeners and it's exciting to have new blood. I'm sure we get more new blood than we realize every year. But, uh, Boom Boom, Joe and I have, I think, literally devoted an entire episode to this. Uh, episode and a half yeah and if you add up all the hours we've spent talking about this it's exhausting yeah we're gonna want those hours back long story short right now (laughs) it's not nothing's happening because there's a contract in peoria and i believe it's another four years and from uh, it's either three or four still and there's really i mean like i said we've talked a lot about it it's not going anywhere anytime soon yeah, boom, boom. We're all open to some change. The IHSA has talked about maybe moving things to one weekend and making it three days instead of two day, two weekends of four day 
Oh my goodness, sorry. Uh, two weekends of two days, making it one weekend of three. So that's something we might see while it's still in Peoria, but unlike... You know what's interesting, Mike, this year? What? Is, I don't know if you noticed it, but this the year is just the way the calendar shakes out. The big school state tournament is not the same weekend as the NCAA tournament. Because it's early. I did notice it was very early, yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know. I'd be interested to see. Just It'll help. It, it, usually it does. Um, it might even keep some people that are down there in the arena instead of leaving to go to a watering hole to watch the NCAA tournament games <laughs> instead of watching the games at Carver Arena, which also happens. Nice. Uh, so... Yeah, uh, anyway. We've go got ahead. we've got that to watch and also I have a new we'll talk about it much in March, but I got a new hotel um plan and arrangement. Really? Yes, to see if it helps my Peoria life. I've already made reservations. <laughs> so Is there some new brand new place we don't know about? <laughs> Not downtown. Um I'm going to stay by all the food and shopping and travel in for the basketball. I'll cross from the river. Yeah, as opposed to the opposite. Um, See how it goes. I mean, I I haven't been happy the one way, so instead of continuing to whine, I'm going to take proactive measures and try something (laughs) different. Um, But anyway, let's move on to Douglas. You just want to like drive from Bloomington Normal, take the forty minute. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, I'm sorry, Peoria. I I kid you. All right, go ahead. Uh, Next question, Douglas Hammer. Uh, let's see. He said on, la- on last week's podcast, you guys said the St. Mel and Waukegan both needed a big win to get going in the right direction. We did that. Uh, Doug is a Providence St. Mel fan. Um, then they also beat Quincy. Um, talked about Tyrrell Nelson. He got the MVP down there or over there in Quincy. Averaged 22 points a game. Um, Doug talked about the great atmosphere in Quincy. Said it was pretty awesome. And there is a satisfaction in quieting that atmosphere that isn't quite like any other feeling. He re- recommends it once a year for all of us to check it out. And he wants a preview of the DePaul Prep Providence St. Mel game. That one is on a Friday. It should be a good there's, one. There's some good uh, Catholic League games, this, uh, you know, private school games. Um, no, St. Mel's good, man. I mean, I mean, I I think we both talked about putting them in our respective top 25 rankings in the preseason. Tyrell Nelson is a, a nice combo guard, decent shot, sees the floor, sneaky athlete. He's a good player. You know, Eric Jordan can shoot it. You know, Jason Mason is, is a real sleeper, a 6'4", 6'5", long athlete. Uh, Deion Jackson, is, I think he was their leading scorer last year. So, I mean, they got a lot of pieces, including Tim Irvin, the, you know, the little point guard, and Tayon Neal, the big man. So, it's a team that and don't confuse this with the Fernando Bunch Lowell Hamilton St. Mel team from mid '80s, but it's a team that's that could. And I don't know if they're in your top twenty-five when they'll get in your top twenty-five and stay there or they not. Are, but they are now number eighteen. Yeah, I mean, I think they will, uh, and I think they'll stay there a while. I, I really do. I, I just and then boy, when they get to you think about them as a class one uh, A school, I mean that that's a that's a early favorite right there i think yeah i love them in march i love their chances in march but i'm still gonna i mean they they deserve this 18 ranking but i still need to see something here um as far as how they're gonna play in the area and in the super 25 you know i got them in they went two and one uh beat quincy in a close one beat waukegan and lost to st louis christian i think um 
and Waukegan went two and one as well. They beat Quincy and St. Louis Christian, but lost to Providence St. Mel. So I think Friday's a big test for them because there won't be any more doubts if they can win at DePaul Prep. That's the win. No, I mean, especially made. DePaul Prep. I mean, I, I think I'm a little higher into DePaul Prep going into the year than you were, but I mean, they, they, I, I, I don't think people realize how good this team can be. DePaul Prep, I mean, they just waxed everybody um, in their first three games and their, you know, yeah, be, it was kind of close with Lane. And, and no, I said the first three oh, games, yeah, and, then, yeah. and then Lane uh, is forty-five, thirty-eight. So, you know, I, I this is a well-balanced team with a lot of different pieces. They got size, they got veterans and experience. So, uh, you know, DePaul Prep is if St. Mel were to go in and beat DePaul Prep, that's that's our big eye opener. Oh yeah, that would be something. Yeah, Perry Cowan is delightful <laughs> and uh, clearly one of the most talented guys around. So that's going to be a a really fun game and a really fun gym that's very close to my home. <laughs> so I have no idea where I'm going Friday. I'm not going to go to the Elite Classic, but I'm going to pick one of these good Friday night games, and that could be one of them. So that would be fun. All right, thanks, Doug. Let's move it along here to Dennis Gilhooly Jr. I believe he's a newcomer as well. Dennis says, with dominating wins over Oak Park and Kenwood this weekend, how high do the Riverside Brookfield Bulldogs climb in your rankings? And we've already divulged that. RB is number 17. You know, I could have put him a little lower, but you know what? Who, who the heck else had two big wins like that this week? So we'll go for it. Um, I think, you know, they thoroughly deserve it. We hit it. Joe has talked about them a little bit on the last two podcasts. So it'll be very exciting to see if RB can keep this run going. Do they have any? Did you look at the schedule, Joe? Do they have any big games before York? Uh, I think they play. They play Farragut at the oh at the, the uh, Team Rose. Yeah, the Team Rose thing. Oh, that'll be great. Cool. All right. I believe they play Farragut. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'm excited for that one. All right. Um, next up, Bones McKenzie. He is a regular. Wants to know if there has been a better final at a Thanksgiving giving tournament than the Brooks win over three A runner up Springfield Southeast. Without Cochran and down 15 in the fourth. Wow, I didn't realize that. To win at the buzzer. Oh, with Yasufu and Burford fouled out. Oh, my goodness. Who was playing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's my question. Yes, it's the greatest Thanksgiving tournament win in history. <laughs> hey, hey, if my uh, team had been down 15 in the fourth quarter to them without our best player and two of our other starters fouled out, yeah. we won. See, Rob Bros, you told me you're not the Lakers. I'm telling you. <laughs> You're the Lakers, just a running joke he and I have. But um, uh, no, I mean, what they've done over the last handful of years, you know, five, six years, I mean, I, it's a program. And, but regardless, that what, those situate that those circumstances and that situation, you know, two hours from home, your best players are done and out. You're playing a team that got a state trophy last year. Kudos to, to the Raiders, man. That's a That's a big, impressive win. Yeah, no doubt. If you guys haven't noticed, uh, you probably did while I was reading that question. I haven't even read these questions yet. <laughs> I just looked at them and forwarded them to Joe. It's This is going to be my worst podcast effort of the year. I am running on fumes. Uh, next up, Porter's Jacket. He That's a guy on Twitter, if you've seen him, Loyola University-focused account. He says, early on... Have the Loyola recruits of Welch and Kennedy progressed their games farther than expected? Seems like they've really stepped things up in the early goings. I, I think, Joe, I think you 
seen both of them already, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't say front, not, not more than expected. Uh, I was actually on the phone quite a bit with Porter Mosier, just uh, dissecting of he was interested to hear, you know. And then he went out and saw them both this past weekend, actually. Um, but yeah, they are. I mean, when you go watch these two, and you realize where they're going. The, and even the average basketball fan is going to walk out of there saying, "Wow, I, that's a that's a haul for for a Missouri Valley Conference school." Uh, I, I firmly believe that Tom Welch could have played somewhere at the high major level. Uh, he's a mid major plus prospect who, you know, there's not enough high major pro- in this recruiting game. There's not enough high majors to fill all the high major spots. That's what a lot of people forget about when they in the recruiting process when they say, oh, this kid's not a high major. Why is he going to a high major? Well, there's really not enough spots. There's not enough kids to call high majors. So you do have to dip down. And especially if you're a school that isn't a, a big-time program, you're, you are dipping down and getting guys that you hope can be high majors two, three years down the road. And, and that's where I think Tom Welch is. Uh, he's just so versatile for a 6'8 kid. And, and once he puts together 12 months of basketball, those of you who don't know, he's a star soccer player uh he's one of the best he was a he's gatorade national player of the year in soccer as a junior uh he's playing an all-star soccer game coming up he's gonna actually miss some games um basketball wise so that's gonna hurt north even worse but i just yeah those two are, are recruiting steals for porter Mosier and Loyola. Next up, um, go Cubs. Ron, sorry, that was his thing. His name's Ron. He says, "What are the odds Max Christie stays enrolled at Rolling Meadows for the duration of his high school career? It seems the best players always find a way to transfer to better programs, and Rolling Meadows is not exactly a powerhouse." You know, having talked to to Max and some stories that I've written, and and hearing him talk so positively about his experiences at Rolling Meadows. Uh, I'll be surprised if, if he were to bolt. He has a younger brother who's in eighth grade coming up, very talented younger brother. Uh, you know, I, I, I get what, you know, the questioner was asking and, and the, the concerns that are out there among top players and always in the move. And, uh, but I think it's going to take a lot for him to, to, to leave. I think he's pretty connected, loves the, the friends and, and the and the social aspect that he has at Rolling Meadows and you know I'll be surprised if, if he were to leave. Yeah, I get asked that question an awful lot as well. Nobody It's kinda sad though, Isn't Mike it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I just Oh yeah. Yeah. Like that's our expectation now. Oh well he, he's gonna leave or you know, it's what you know do we ever hear that about not not that I mean I know Glenbrook North was a a better basketball program even at that time you know obviously they've had some players when shire was there but i don't know when you, 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 you these great suburban kids from 10 15 20 years ago that wasn't the first first question or two that you would ask about a player well, when is he gonna leave yeah. um so yeah i mean I, I i hope he stays i think it's great for high school basketball uh i think it makes it more fun i'm anxious to see how that team and program develops over the next three years and and uh with him leading the way. Yeah, the um, Rolling Meadows started out, they beat Francis Parker, West Chicago, and Montini. I saw that Christie had some big games, but then, did you see what happened yesterday, Joe? I saw the score, yes. Uh, yeah. Wheaton Warrenville South, our buddies, Mike Healy and his team, 
They beat Rolling Meadows 64 to 26. To go to 4 0. Yeah. And Wheaton said, I thought about it. I was sitting there this morning after my drive home from Champaign Urbana trying to wonder who I should put into this new Super 25 of the 4 0 teams. And when you look at Wheaton South at 4 0 and saw that they held not Max Christie, but his team <laughs> to 26 points, <laughs> and you look at the, uh, basically the last three games, Wheaton South has allowed, let's do some quick math, 76 points total in the three games. <laughs> With five new starters. <laughs> so. I, the, the thought crossed my mind, do I just put Wheaton South in now and get a, get it over with? Because it seems like they're going to be in this Super 25 sooner than later. And I thought maybe this time I'd kind of, you know, cut them off at the pass. Um, I did not. Who the hell did that beat, though? The, you know? Yeah, Elk Grove. That was close, 65-54. Then they beat Elgin, Fenton, and Rolling Meadows. So. All right, I think it pump the brakes there a little bit. Not a murderer's but. row. <laughs> yeah. But the holding Max Christie's team to 26 points was something. So things have changed at Wheaton South, but not really, I guess is the uh, takeaway there. All right, next up, Rennell Chapman, who was our number one uh, podcast question asker guy. All right, this is a longer one. I think I kind of need to read it all. Hey, guys, last week you briefly mentioned a few late bloomers that had or are currently playing in the NBA. I saw Robert Covington as a kid. After playing his college days at Tennessee State, he was a perfect mention for that category. That had me thinking about a few other guys sticking in the NBA that people may not have figured to make it, much less move up a roster to receive a second contract to make their NBA a real career. Fred Van Vliet might be one of those guys that comes to mind. Joe, over the last 20 to 30 years... <laughs> that's stretch. That's uh, Joe. That's uh, decades, who are uh, the players you covered as you looked through your reports from Illinois that surprised you and steadily developed the game after leaving high school to make an NBA roster after preseason cuts? What did your final analysis say about those players in your final <laughs> reports in comparison to their skill set in the NBA? What were some players you all thought would possibly have a good chance of making the NBA but just didn't pan out after leaving high school? Or they'd get so extremely close for a few years but never made the final roster after preseason. Guys like Jerome Randall come to mind. Good question. Interesting. I don't know if I'm going to be as thorough as he wants me to be with the breakdown. But there's a whole well, boatload Yeah, you of only had like, this was sent at 2.30 and it's 5 o'clock now. <laughs> I so, mean, yeah. the, the, you know, I've got a little bit of a, you know, I, and there's different levels of making it too. You know what I mean? I mean... I'll give an example, like the prime example of, of a guy who ended up being one of the greatest players in the world who no one would have ever said this when they were in high school, Dwayne Wade. I mean, I was the biggest Dwayne Wade fan in high school that you could ever – he was my player of the year over – I think it was Darius Miles that year. I mean, I, I remember it was a little – you know, everybody was saying, well, what? You know, I, and I went to bat trying to cause – right when I was beginning this whole thing with the recruiting service and – trying to get schools on board and now there was some academic things that that were a hurdle for him uh to be as a qualifier but the point is no one would have ever have guessed Dwayne Wade a for sure be an NBA player and high school player and two to become what he was which is a one of the best players in the entire world but the, some lower profile names you know Gennaro Gennaro Pargo uh he went to Robeson right yeah. Robeson yeah uh, General General Pargo was one. Uh, Linton Johnson from I think he went to Providence St. Mel. Uh, went to Tulane, class of '98, like star-studded '98 class. These guys were not ranked high, and he played in the NBA. Uh, Tony Allen from Crane. 
uh, a no-namer, really going into college, ended up going to Oklahoma State, and he had a nice, nice career in the NBA. I personally didn't think Patrick Beverly would be a a long-time NBA multimillionaire basketball player. I, I, I thought he'd be a terrific college player. I just thought there were some holes and things that, you know, but his his toughness and competitiveness is the, the, the best you'll ever see in high school and college and going on. But, you know, he obviously from Marshall. Uh, Rashawn Holmes from Lockport, no one ever would have – he didn't even have Division two or Division three offers. <laughs> there are schools that didn't even want him at that level. Uh, and he played in the NBA. Uh, here's another one. Frank Kaminsky. I know it's hard to think because he ended up being such a star at Wisconsin. You know, a- after two kind of so-so, you know, years, and he took off in college. So it's hard to imagine Frank Kaminsky as not an NBA prospect. But when he was a se- junior and senior in high school, I would have never have guessed he'd be a lottery pick in the NBA. Uh, Alfonso McKinney, I think we talked about him, the kid from Marshall. So, yeah, those are a bunch of guys that, you know, Milton Doyle from Marshall. Uh, th- th- there's a bunch of players that weren't on the rankings and radar and NBA. But that being said, I- I'm just one. I find it, you know, this is the answer to another part of his question. It's really hard to say this guy is going to be an NBA player when they're in high school. I mean, there are so few guys that you are no doubt, no brainer, Derek Rose, that type of guy. You know, Corey McGetty, I was that way with. Uh, Eddie Curry. You know, so it's really hard to just flat out say, you know what, that's an NBA guy. Yeah. And like well, Julian Wright is one. Who, yeah. I, I just saw holes in his game. I mean, I thought he would be an NBA guy, but I thought he had a. Yeah, he's had such a quirky game, and the perimeter shot wasn't there, and so forth. But and, and to answer his question of guys that didn't quite make it, the obvious one's Jeremy Richmond. I mean, he was just so blessed and skilled and size. I mean, he was a prodigy at a young age, and he had everything going for him. Off court things derailed that. Uh, you know, a guy that did make the NBA, but I think he was cut short from being a superstar because of injuries with Sean Livingston. I loved Sean Livingston. I mean, this was a six, seven pure point guard. He's had a really good NBA career. Don't get me wrong. Uh, he found a great niche with the Golden State Warriors, but I just, I envisioned him being a potential NBA all-star when he left high school. Uh, and those, that horrific uh, knee injury he had. Uh, a couple other guys, I think, I, I kind of thought maybe Drew Crawford, I was a huge Drew Crawford fan. Had a terrific career at Northwestern. I thought he might be able to find a way to stick in the NBA. Uh, and then Ryan Boatwright, I kind of, in high school, he was just so, he had that that NBA-type speed and dazzling quickness, but he had that small body that was always going to be a hindrance uh, for him to, to, to play at that level. Another great college career, just fell short. There's a lot of guys that, were almost there that didn't quite make it. Yeah, the, the two that I remember, the two players that I thought were among the probably top ten I've covered that didn't make the NBA that I thought were Frankie Williams and Jamarcus Ellis. Frank Williams for sure. Uh, I mean, he was a first-round draft pick, yeah. but obviously did not stick and played very very little in the NBA. Yeah, Jamarcus wasn't even able to put together a great college career. <laughs> Things went off the rails. Wouldn't have been Indiana for a couple of years, but that was about it. Um, anybody else we um, 
mention in that group? No, I mean, like I said, I mean, there's got the amount of guys. Oh, Sharon Collins, what do you think about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I again, there's just such a small number of small guards in the NBA. I mean, you can count the number of guys that are six foot or under. I mean, it's just a rare, rare thing. And Sharon was probably five eleven. Um, I, you know, again, I go back to that whole. Very rarely do you. I mean, I could probably count the guys that I like that I would have put money on that were NBA guys. Oh yeah, because that's uh, you know a lot of people thought think Shire might have stuck on a roster if he didn't hurt his eye in training camp. Yeah, I mean, he obviously and that was. I, I still remember those conversations because he was so unbelievably good in high school as a high school player, one of the greatest players in state history. Yeah. And that I remember that question always. Do you think you'll? Play in the NBA? Do you think? I mean, it's just everybody was always kind of asking that. Yes, he'll be a great college player. He won a national title at Duke, but it was always those questions about, you know, is he quick enough, athletic enough, yeah, yeah, yeah about playing in the NBA. Um, but I mean, but for every, I mean, Derrick Rose was a no-brainer. Darius Miles, when you saw him, Kevin Garnett, uh, Corey Maggette was one. I, I, I just. As early as a sophomore in high school, he's like, okay, that guy's going to be NBA, dude. Uh, but they're just not – I mean, it's hard to just go ahead and pronounce that at that at that age. Yeah. We're just trying to figure out they're going to be great college players. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. for every Quentin Richardson, there's about five yeah, Joey one. Ranges. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> it's kind of the way that goes. Maybe 10. I'm probably underselling that. There's probably 10 or 20 Joey Ranges for every Quentin Richardson. Um, all right, let's see here. Um, Brady Roberts. He says, we know the ceiling is high for Rolling Meadows and Max Christie the next few years. What about Mundelein? They have Scotty Abube. I'm sorry if I'm destroying that. Uh, 6'8 sophomore, who's built, athletic, and has great body awareness, along with an experienced Connor Enright. Oh, wow. He's exper- he's a 6'2 sophomore. He did start, I think, all of last year. Um, how good could the Mustangs be going forward the next few years? Have you seen Enright? No, I've, I didn't. Mundelein is one of those teams that I meant to see like six times last year, and I never did. I followed him closely, though, so I know. He's a guys. Michael O'Brien type guy. Oh, I yes. I think you'll like him. Yeah. I, I, yeah. The numbers have been good. Yeah, he's a fun player. Yeah. Plays with some little bit of little moxie and a uh, little confidence. Can shoot it. I, you know, he he's good. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do this year, being that those guys are so young. Regardless of having a varsity experience, they're still they're still young. Um, I think they're two and two right now. You know, I think we touched on them in our opening episode i think but yeah anyway, I, mean, I, I, I think you know waukegan and stevenson i think are the two to beat uh i, I didn't get to see zion benton uh being in there but I, yeah they'll, i think they'll be in the top half yeah it's hard to I tell think. they were one of the top teams the um they lost to lfa lake forest academy and they lost to warren in a real close one then they beat deerfield and fremd that they, those teams were all in the Thanksgiving tournament together, and they all kind of beat up on one another. Well, those were two two decent. I mean, Deerfield's off to a very poor start, uh, but but Friends good. Yeah, Friends really good. And for them to get that win, 
is pretty impressive at this stage for for that Mundelein team. Yeah, because Fremd the Fremd beat Warren in Deerfield, then lost Elephant in Mundelein. So it was hard to tell, you know, just looking at the scores, <laughs> really what was going on in that tournament. Everybody kind of beat up on one another. Warren did, I think, might have wound up three and one though. Um, they, yeah, they're three and one. Yeah, they played pretty well. But yeah, no, we definitely have our eye on Mundelein. They'll be a team I'm going to try and get around and see as soon as I can. Um, since I did not get to see them last year, which is one of the few I missed on. Um, then the second part of his question, a team that has been on my mind quite a bit already um, today, how about those Titans? <clears throat> uh, Brady's talking about Glenbrook South. It's early, I get it, Joe, but these guys are legit. After watching them last year, you could see it coming. Junior Dom Martinelli is so tough to stop near the glass. Senior Will King's ball handling has improved a ton since last year to go along with his already strong leadership and ability to make big plays. Glenbrook South is deep. They don't care who you are or what you've done. And they do not let the game get too big or too fast. It's, it's like really, a personal column. Yeah, it's really fun to watch in person. I knew they were going to be good, but the CSL South better look out. Because the sleeping giant in GBS has awoken. Yeah, they they were you know if I, I don't know I, a couple months ago I wrote most improved teams in in the Chicago area and they were they were highlighted in that and Will King is a six four point guard for them that kind of makes them go and he's he's one of the most improved players I think in that entire senior class. He mentioned Don Martinelli. He's a six four kind of a multifaceted 6'4 guy in the wing. Um, he had a great summer. He's, he's got a better shot from the, he's shooting it better from the perimeter. You know, another good shooter. They have Mac Hubbard, uh, one of the better, you know, returning shooters on that team, really guards and defends. Uh, Jimmy McMahon, another, you know, he'll probably average eight, nine points a game for them. Gavin Morse, uh, he handles the ball for him, can pass it. It, they do. I mean, they have a lot of pieces, and, and, and they have some depth. They're well coached. They're second year into, uh, in the, you know, into the Phil Ralston era here at Glenbrook South. And you know, I, I thought, I mean, Evanston's at a different level. I think everybody in that league, and then you got New Trier and, and Glenbrook South. So, I, you know, they went we were winless last year in the Central Suburban League South, right? Yep. Didn't they, yep. Didn't they go? They and, were yeah. winless. Yeah. So, for that, I mean, I could see them going seven and three this year, eight and two. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I should eight and two might be pushing it. Six and four, seven and three, and and, and being an absolute nuisance to come state tournament time. Yeah, they were. I mean, we've talked about it before. But I loved them in the playoffs. The game I saw at the end there, big Jimmy McMahon fan. <laughs> He's a fun player. But uh, Glenbrook South's four zero knocked off Naperville Central, Zion Benton, Glenbrook South, and Buffalo Grove. Almost thought about throwing them even in the bottom this week. They didn't quite get in there. But we're gonna find out a lot on Friday. Evanston heads to the Titan Dome. Oh, that's this Friday, huh? Yeah, it's gonna be a good one. I put it in the paper. A little upset watch. I think. It, I think you know Evanston will win. I think, but I think it might be close. I think they could, um, and Don Martinelli scored like 30 points twice or something. Yeah, if they can control the tempo, I mean, Evanston just, they, they are really looking to push it and, and playing fast, and they, they kind of have to with their lack of, and they really don't have any size at all. Uh, but yeah, that'll be, that'll be a good, good barometer, a good measuring stick early in the year. Where are they at Christmas? They go to, where do they go? Christmas time, St. Um, uh, Glenbrook South. They go to uh, Wheeling? Wheeling. Yeah, that's what I think. 
Yeah. So, unless something's changed as far as I know they're wheeling. But yeah, that'll be a fun one to watch Friday. Uh, we, we had a lot of these Friday. They're not just like good games. They're not like two superpowers in one another, but a lot of this, like the Providence St. Mel, DePaul thing, Loyola, Leo, and, and this game where we're going to really kind of get a sense of where some teams are at in our pecking order here. Um, that will, I guess we have a Ronald Chapman sent a, a late arriver. He was asking about James Jones. Did you look that up at all, Joe? I did not. Yeah, James Jones from Bogan. He's asking where he's at. Um, he went to Buffalo initially, I believe, but I have not heard a thing about James Jones. Buffalo's loaded, by the way. Yes. Anyone cares. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Not Buffalo Grove, <laughs> Joe? <laughs> no, um, the old Buffalo Bulls in the Mac. <laughs> That's, all right, so let's um, wrap it up here, guys. But real quick, let's take a look at the upcoming week. I do have some games written down. Monday and Tuesday is incredibly weak. You can um, take some time off. I might go try and see some players. Wednesday, Crystal Lake Central takes on Stevenson if you're hard up for some hoops. Also, the great uh, n- n- yeah, North Chicago's Ian Benton, a little rivalry there. That could be fun. North Chicago, 0-3. Yeah, not a great start. And I know uh, King Coleman was excited about this season, so we'll see how that's going to go. But Thursday is oddly good. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, no. This might be a mistake in the newspaper. Okay, I guess I need to call the copy desk. Uh, looks like Evanston at Glenbrook South is Thursday. Oh. Yeah. So I guess I might be there then. But there's, there's a lot of good games on Thursday. Anyway, sorry. It's Evanston at Glenbrook South, New Trier at Maine South, Bennett at St. Charles East, Carmel at Waukegan, and we think Curian Orr might be playing. <laughs> but still trying to nail that down. Obviously, Curian Orr would be a headliner. Um... But we weren't quite sure about that yet. Friday, you got Leo at Loyola. We talked about Providence, uh, St. Mel at DePaul. Geneva against Wheaton Warrenville South. Um, Wabonzi Valley, Naperville North. Uh, Wabonzi Valley's off to a 4 0 start. Thought and, and destroying people. Exactly, yeah. They're in my book. I'm kind of. And um, uh, Jason Mead is the coach there. He thought it was going to be their best year in a, quite a while. So they're a team I'm keeping my eye on. Rolling Meadows is at Hersey, um, which is an interesting MSL matchup. Lamont at Richards, also kind of intriguing. Richards is off to a great start. To um, haven't you know played anybody yet, but and then Kankakee is at Bloom, a nice test for the Blazing Trojans early. So Friday's kind of loaded. Saturday we've got the uh, Chicago League Classic. You know, Uplift Evanston is kind of the best game with two locals. Bogan, Simeon, Young, Morgan Park, all playing. Um, Curie is down in the Marshall County shootout. You know, they always head down to that. They're playing Memphis East, a team I do not know much about. And then we have, uh, Kenwood against Waukegan at UHI on Saturday. So we're going to know an awful lot about Waukegan, I guess, by the end of the week after Carmel and Kenwood. But yeah, it's a fun week. Um, a lot of really interesting games. Yeah, that's a busy week. Uh, then you got the, you know, the Chicago League Classic that, uh, you know, Saturday will take place, and some non-Illinois teams involved. But Marquise uh, Jacobs will make his debut. Can he possibly take down Evanston? Well, Evanston's got a tough schedule. Yeah, they sure do. The Glenbrook South boy, I got All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. I'm going to call the copy desk and make sure that we don't have an error in the newspaper tomorrow. Now, <laughs> I've been running on fumes. It's been rough, but football is over, and uh, we'll be back next week. Talk to you soon.